Hi, welcome to another episode of the Manufacturers Make Strides podcast. I'm your host, Martin Griffiths, and today I'm interviewing Tony Day. Tony is Head of Mechanical Engineering at Kingdom Technologies, one of the fastest growing startups in Scotland. They develop... Hi, welcome to another episode of the Manufacturers Make Strides podcast. I'm your host, Martin Griffiths, and today I'm interviewing Tony Day. Tony is Head of Mechanical Engineering at Kingdom Technologies, where over the last two years, he's been using a lean manufacturing approach to produce design iterations of autonomous robots. Kingdom Technologies is one of the fastest growing startups in Scotland, and their autonomous robotic lawnmowers are used by golf clubs, city councils and universities. So let's get right into it now and see what we can learn from Tony. Hey Tony, afternoon, how are you doing? Yeah, hello Martin, not too bad, yourself? Brilliant, yeah, really good, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, really excited to dig into um, some of your history and what you're doing at the moment. Um, so I just wanted to start really, um, from what I've read, you're really passionate about engineering. How did that come about and how did you end up getting involved in engineering? Yes, uh, it's kind of a family thing, really. So my um, my dad used to work away quite a lot in the week. Um, so when I was a kid growing up, I only used to see him on weekends. And mm-hmm. it meant that he would come home and have lots of things to do. He's quite good at, you know, he's like into DIY and kind of fixing things up and stuff like that. So my experience when I was younger, um, kind of with, with my dad, was getting involved with, you know repairing you know the car or you know making something you know fixing something around the house that kind of stuff so I'd always be following him around you know like picking up his tools and and doing that sort of thing so it was kind of a bit of a hands-on you know how things are built and how to to make fix things and that that kind of that stuff so that's kind of where it you know that was the seed and then from there um, as I kind of grew up and started to do things myself um, you know getting a car having to get my own you know you get to kind of 17 you're going to get a car and you kind of think oh yeah I'll, I'll get something I can like do it up and that was my mindset anyway so mm-hmm. you know I did a lot of work on I bought an old Land Rover um, and ended up taking everything off and seeing how it always works and then they put it back together again and sometimes it worked again and sometimes it didn't <laughs> um, and you had to kind of go through that so I think that's where it where it all kind of stemmed from was that was that kind of you know me spending time with my dad and, and, and that kind of relationship and yeah then that kind of blossoming out of that yeah uh, great so it, it seems it's taken you on quite a journey um through kind of different companies and all, all sorts of interesting products at the moment you're creating autonomous robots with kingdom te- technology so can you tell a little bit more about those robots and what they do and what the idea is behind that yeah, so um, robot lawnmowers, nothing new there. You know, they've been been around for a, for a few years now. So, mm. the the ones that you typically find, if you if you do see them, um, are for small kind of homeowners. You know, they they cut small lawns. Um, the idea with them is that you install usually a boundary cable around the edge of the lawn, and that's how it knows where to cut. So, as far as the the robot is is concerned, it just goes out and as soon as it senses this this cable it's in it's been laid in the lawn it goes oh that's the edge and it'll turn and, and drive off and it's just random so it just randomly mm-hmm. bounces um across the lawn and eventually it will cover all of the lawn 
um, but it doesn't do it in any particular order. It just randomly moves around. Um, so we're, we're taking our, you know, our product is, is designed for larger landscapes, right? We're, we're talking about doing larger areas of grass. Um, and one of the ways that we do this is by navigating more intelligently. So the, the robot plans a path around the lawn so that it covers only each area, you know, each part of the, of the lawn once as it goes over. Um, the other thing that it does is it doesn't need this boundary cable because you know about doing you know 50,000 square meters um mm. of, of of lawn you're you're not going to want to have somebody go around and lay a boundary cable around the edge so uh, we've we've got rid of that by by using gps and we have a we have an app that you can use that you can draw out the boundary that you want to to cut the cut the grass off and you know you can do dynamic changes if you want uh, on the fly so that's that's wow. where we kind of differ from from the the current you know products that are out there we're we're using our robot to do large areas so we're we're more targeting kind of b2b going to commercial customers i see yeah so i imagine it must be really inefficient the the kind of the the ones for your garden where it just bounces about randomly basically you must be covering a lot of ground kind of multiple times i imagine yeah you might you might cover one patch you might cover one patch 10 times and you might might cover another once like it's yeah. just it just and and it gets difficult if you know if you've got a square lawn then you know it's quite easy for it to bounce around but if you've got a little kind of nook round round the corner of a tree or something like that you know it can get stuck in an area because it just mm. bounces around you know like if you yeah. dropped a dropped a ping pong ball it'll just bounce around in that corner and it, it'll never be able to get out um yeah. so that, that's another disadvantage of Okay, so what's your process then for developing and manufacturing the robots that you've made? Yeah, so we have kind of was ever since I've joined joined the company and, and and been here, we've been using a slightly different technique to what I would call traditional manufacturing, where mm. um, and, and development, where you would have a prototype. You know, you'd have a prototype and you do lots of tests in isolation, and you'd build up this prototype and then you test the prototype and once once that's got to a point where you're like oh, i'm happy with this you'll then move on to some form of series production you know whether yeah. it's even a small run of 10 or something like that you know that's how you do it whereas what we tend to do is um we create a, a design change from what was the original robot that we we had which which you could kind of compare to a prototype um mm but it wasn't final, like it's not the final product, it's just a, a first attempt. And then we iterate through. So we will then make changes to that, we'll produce a number of them, um, and then we'll put them out into the field and we'll see how they do. And then we get feedback from, from that and, and they'll go out to customers as well. Um, now there's, it's not a finished product, so it doesn't go out to a customer with the intent of being oh yeah it's done and it'll do everything you want you know we have customers that we've spoken to and say right this you know we're in a development phase you're going to get a kind of beta test kind of product and yes. here it is and then and then you can you can use it and then we get feedback from that uh, and then we make those changes quite quickly so we would look to uh, you know turn changes around even from a hardware point of view um in in months which is which is quite challenging it's quite difficult um, mm. because you, you're trying to, you, you know, the manufacturing process might take six weeks or so mm. to get all of the parts, just, just that on its own. 
um, yeah. let alone thinking of you know designing in all the changes and getting them all produced and and all that kind of coming out so it's quite fast paced but the idea is that you shouldn't be making huge changes there should be they should be small incremental changes where you're just optimizing what was the original design um, yeah. every now and then that doesn't work and you have to you know do a big change and maybe that takes longer and you do you do have some kind of prototype testing and things yeah. like that but the idea is to get as much as you can into the next iteration of robot yeah. send it out into the field and then you're kind of using the, the you know you're using those robots that are in the field and with customers you're using them as your development robots as well as yeah. what they're kind of bringing in revenue so that, that's yes. the, the idea behind it that's really interesting it's similar it brings to mind like kind of agile software development really and kind of starting with a minimal viable product and then having a series of sprints to add features to it while it's out there and you're, you're always getting quality feedback from your you know live feedback from your customers aren't you so um, that's really interesting is that where you started off trying to replicate that method yeah so the the, when when the company was started that was the that was the intent the intent was to run it agile and um and it still is you know we still have discussions about i think you, the thing that we've we've learned is that you 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 have to make exceptions for hardware like you mm -hmm. cannot run you cannot run uh, the the manufacturing process for hardware in the same way that you would treat software. You, you can't do it. There, yeah. there are limitations that you yeah. need to you need to understand. So, from that, there you know we have tweaked it slightly so that you there are, there is a, a kind of we do have prototypes. We do run tests that you know we're not completely relying on the customer the final product that goes out to get all of our uh, test data from we. Mm -hmm do have you know test benches where we test all of the different kind of yeah. um parts of the robot in isolation and we get feedback from that you know that we then yeah. use before we send it out so you've got to yeah. it's it's not it's not as clear cut as just being like oh yeah come up with an idea in my head design it um build it and then send it out and hope that it works like it's not it's not like that but um it's yeah it's it's just understanding that i think originally the idea was that was the kind of Oh, but yeah, if we can run it like this, it will be great because we won't have to have any any development work going on uh, on site. We can just send it all out. But I think, yeah, that that was um, quickly realized to, to not work for hardware. So, yeah. OK, so what, what are some of the major challenges that have come up adopting this process? And, you know, have you gone about overcoming them? I, I think there's well, I think one of the big, big things is if you have a, a a big problem like if there's a if there's a hardware issue that you you didn't foresee and you, you didn't pick it up in the initial testing that you did um mm. but it, then you've developed let's say you've made 10 10 robots and you've mm. sent those out well you've now got 10 robots that you have this issue with and if it's something that's big you need to do something in order to fix all of them you you haven't just got one prototype that you go ah oh, that didn't work yeah. let's let's just change that and you just have to fix the one you you've got 10 out there so you have to come up with a with a fix and a repair um we also don't have all of our robots that are close to our main site so mm -hmm. we have um retailers so we then have to kind of come up with a, a pack 
that we would send to them and they have to fix it. So that is something that you wouldn't normally have to worry about so much when you've got complete control over over the product because it's a prototype that's sitting in your workshop yes. um, yeah. and you can just you know go in there and be like oh, okay this hasn't gone right let's try something else whereas mm-hmm. I have to build up um, something that I can send out to somebody else for them to do the repair so it has to be well documented and and that that adds time to a bit to the process um, so those those are the ones that are they're, they're the tricky points where something has gone wrong and you know something's been overlooked and you have a failure that's you know it could be anything um the other thing is because we're manufacturing quite low volumes um Mm -hmm. but we the intent obviously for the the pro the product in the future is to be producing large quantities of them so we don't want to change too much how the how the robot looks and from as we go through the different stages of being able to use different manufacturing methods uh, so that means that what we're using at the minute it's kind of prototype plastics and 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 so it's cnc'd plastics and, and because they in you know they have their own problems that you wouldn't see once you get to ejection molding but so there's things that we've had to do where we've had to like reinforce certain areas of the robot with maybe some metal plates and things like that which we'll lose once we get to a point where we're yes at higher volumes uh, um but they're they're the other areas where you know you've you we've had to like tweak it a little bit just to make sure that we get these kind of things that they're only a problem while we're in low volume yes um yeah. and as soon as we yeah. like move away up uh, and you have to kind of change and, and that adds a little bit of extra time as well because every time we you know if we do a batch of 10 and then maybe we think oh actually we're a bit more confident now we'll do a batch of 20 we might want to change some of the manufacturing processes for that jump in in quantity um and then we have to rethink oh hang on did did those changes that we made for the initial 10 do they are they still valid do we still need to do that or can we get away with maybe removing some of those plates because now the manufacturing process that we're using is better for the for the structure of the product so that's that's things that we, we think about as we as we go through each iteration as well yeah okay yeah so yeah it definitely definitely kind of inspires your creativity i suppose to come up with solutions to that all, all the yes. time so I suppose looking back now, what what do you think are the the kind of the big benefits or the big pros to this method of product development and manufacturing? You know, for that for this kind of stage of a of a, of a product versus a more traditional method. From from an engineering side, I think you get get a lot of real world testing in, because mm. rather than having one prototype that you might be testing at your test site that is meant to be representative but not always is um you've got multiples that are out at customer sites doing the job that you want them to do so mm-hmm. you are getting real world test data back and when you get a, a failure you know you you're seeing a real failure you can guarantee you go that actually happened on a site but while it was working so it's not you don't have to think too much about or oh, hang on were we were we testing it correctly did we slightly overwork it have we you know have we done something and because you've got several of them out there you you get your kind of statistical data out of it as well um you know you've, you've got 20 robots that are out there you can say oh hang on one one of these failed in this particular 
part, but it, it's only one. We've only seen one of the 20 that have had this failure and all the others have been fine. So you can you can understand a little bit more about whether that was a bit of an anomaly or whether uh, you are actually dealing with an issue. And it, if you see all, you know, if you get like 19 out of them have this failure, then you're yeah, right. Well, that's definitely a problem. And we we need to fix it. Um, so you can kind of look at those those numbers. Um, the other the other side is, is from the business side, um, which is that we get to test out the the kind of the the plan you know you get to test out whether this is a viable business whether people are willing to pay money to to have this product whether they're happy with the product you get all this feedback from the business side making sure that what we're leading up to is going to be you know worth worth it to, um so that's yeah. that's kind of from the business side um, which yeah. is which is a huge huge thing. Like if we if we if we spent all of our time working on the product in isolation and just asking customers whether it's what they want, but without really yeah. giving them an example, you might you know end up designing the wrong thing. You might get the wrong yes. you know wrong feedback from the customer, um, yeah. and then you go, oh hang on, well we've designed this for you, and then they turn out, oh that's not what I wanted. Um, whereas now we get the oh that's not we, what we wanted while we're while we're developing it yes. because they yeah. get to see the product and they see what what our intent is um yeah. and then we can adapt you know uh we're at a stage where if the customer turns around and says oh well i thought it was going to do this i thought it was going to follow this edge yeah. better than, than this and you can turn around okay no that's fair enough you you've said that we'll take that feedback on board and we can adapt that in um, yeah that's an interesting point how, how do you manage that feedback because i suppose you want to, your goal is to create a product, you know, that will, uh, you know, grasp like a broad range of customers. I suppose one of the challenges to get with getting very specific feedback like that is that you maybe weight it too much to, to, to the loudest customers, basically. So, yeah, do, do you, how have you handled that? So every time we get get feedback in, we we kind of we we don't just take it as the raw feedback and, mm. and say and and if you get one comment. Um, from one particular customer, you you're not gonna then immediately jump on it and and make that change. You know, if if they wanted it to be painted a different color, you, you're not gonna immediately go right paint all the robots this color because mm-hmm. this one customer wanted this this change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that it's that kind of you know you're you're gonna look at it from from a point of oh, how many customers have, have asked for this and how what what comments are they saying and, and are they saying it's a huge problem that they're they're struggling with or is it just something that oh you know it's I, it's a i'd like to have it do this but and it and a lot of the time you have to question it back to to the original goals of of this first robot that we're producing mm-hmm. um you know does it is it is it is it encompassed within is it what we want this this robot to achieve or are they actually asking for an additional feature that maybe we can think about in the future and we don't need to worry about in this way so we do have to kind of decode the, the customer feedback and make it into workable so some of them some of them go into um features straight away so some of them you get feedback um you might get it from several customers and you'll instantly say right the next iteration we need to make sure we work that in um because it's something that everybody wants and if it's relatively easy to implement as well then you can get it in quite quickly and if it's something that's much harder then maybe you put it on a longer timeline and you think about it'll be introduced in kind of a few months rather than straight away so yeah yeah 
I see. Yeah, it makes sense. So it sounds really, really interesting. It sounds kind of a fascinating uh, kind of area that you're getting involved in. What What are the goals of King and Technologies over the next few we- years? You know, where, where do you see the company going? And yeah, so I mean, we've we've got uh, we've got it kind of laid out for the next kind of eighteen months up to Series A, essentially. So the the idea is to to get this this design of robot. Um, up to, to series A uh, and then it's just a case of all the designs are frozen um, and we can order as many as we want on a month month by month basis you know so we'll we'll order we'll order them as we need them for customers um, so and, and you know on that on that journey there's a lot to do um, we need to do a lot of work just purely on how the how the robot functions and how it handles uh, you know, the day-to-day tasks and, and all that side of things, as well as making sure we we get everything right through the compliance. So get CE marked, all those those types of things. Um, and a lot of that will be making sure that our manufacturing kind of partners are capable of handling the volumes that we're talking about once, because mm-hmm. the people that we deal with now are, we're talking about making prototypes. So we're yeah. talk, the people that manufacture our product currently, um, you know, we're talking about double digit numbers, whereas yeah. soon we'll be into the hundreds. And, and then after that, we'll be, you know, even more every year. So we'll, we need to manage that as we go through as well. So there's a lot of work to do just purely from the manufacturing side of things, yeah. as well as, you know, freezing the design making sure that it's compliant and it's signed off against all the correct safety standards um, yeah. and that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do in those. And, and we, we've, we've planned that out over the next 18 months to get to, to get to this series a um, point where we can start to produce the robot just as, and when we need. Yeah. Brilliant. So there's all that work to do. Are you looking to kind of bring some people on board to help you get, get there and reach those goals yes we very much are we're um we're actively hiring at the minute um and we will continue to do do so um through through that entire period um we we need we need people for all areas um so we have um software hires out we have uh hardware hires for electronics and pcb design and um as well as the mechanical side of things um so we yeah we're looking at and then outside of the engineering we're also hiring you know just uh things like that you know um so it's all available on our website um if you go if you go to um www.kingdom.garden um you can you can look on there we've got a careers page and there's there's loads of there's of stuff so if anyone is listening and uh, they feel that they feel like a, a career change then um, yeah make 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 your way over there and have a look yeah brilliant sounds great yeah we'll, po- we'll post a link to that in the description yeah that's that, that's great well thanks a lot for your time today that sounds kind of fascinating um what you've told us a link to the website that's great what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to ask a question or send a message yeah, yeah. Um, so LinkedIn's the best, probably to 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 get in contact with myself uh, directly. Um, my LinkedIn um, is LinkedIn slash in slash Tony Day ninety is is Great. myself. So.
Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks very much, Tony. Really appreciate, appreciate your time today. Um, great to hear more about what you're doing and about your kind of really interesting process that you've developed. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Thank you as well, Martin. Thank you. Cheers.